It's a rational transaction. One life for billions. Oh. Gordon, son. Transaction by Caleb Dirksen and Alexander Peters. Hi, I'm Alexander Peters. Hi, I'm Caleb Dirksen, aka Hale Um and <laughs> We still doing this. We still six weeks later, five weeks later, however long we've been doing this. You're still only Zarkov is the only way to go. <laughs> I think we've established deep a, a deep vein of Zarkov lore, and uh I did notice him saying this watch, I did notice he makes a few mean comments throughout the movie that I didn't pick up on. And at first I was like, oh, that's a bit strange for Zarkov. And then I realized, you know, this man is calculating every single angle. Uh, well, you know, when Watson dies, doesn't he make like a, a snide remark? Sorry, Munson. You missed your opportunity. Missed your opportunity. After his assistant dies. And I, I thought that was kind of strange or maybe even like a little offensive, but... I mean, he's he clearly planned it from the start. So, yeah, he's a cold, calculated man. I've, uh, he's 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 he, the the idea of him just being so willing to jump into the line of fire has always been a little bit intense. But welcome to a rational transaction. This is a show where we watch Flash Gordon once a week uh, for the foreseeable future until uh, the end of the year. Probably we'll see. <laughs> Uh, 52 and just, episodes uh, yeah 52 or, episodes or eternal or bust um i'm i am starting to struggle uh because well this is the point where we need to start uh investing in the uh the behind the scenes content because i'm starting to struggle to to come up with something to say now after the six watch yeah it's true because you kind of hit a wall and it's just like I will say this time around, what I did was um, I was flying back home from Manitoba and I thought, you know what? You know uh, what Flash Gordon would do in a plane? He'd watch his own movie. So I, uh, I I watched it from however many thousand feet in the air and uh, it felt no different. <laughs> That's not true. You know what Flash Gordon would do in a plane? Uh, he would go up and tell the pilots to uh, take it up a little higher to the smoother air. Might be a little softer, higher up. Yep, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's true. You know, I will say though, I will say, I was, uh, I was excited to watch it again. I was like, yes, I get to watch Flash Gordon again. And uh, when I got on the plane, I was, I was eager because that meant I was going back into my routine. And so I put it on, and um, about ten minutes into it, I realized the depth of my decision to actually watch it, meaning that I had to sit through the whole thing again. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, um, I was very, I was expecting to come back into this a little beleaguered, a little worse for wear. I really, really enjoyed this watch. And I'll tell you why. The story faded away. It wasn't about the story anymore. It wasn't even about the characters. I just sat back. I just looked at the pretty colors. I looked at the shots. I, I looked at the actors. I looked at the effects. 
and I just listened to the music. And I gotta say, this might be the first time I've seen this movie. And 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 I, I, I'm gonna spoil my my rating at the end of the episode now. But I'm gonna say it's a hundred out of a hundred for me today. Wow! So you watched it like a baby would? Yeah, like sparkly gold, sparkly masks, uh, yellow smoke. Uh, Freddie Mercury singing a little, singing a little vocals. That scene where uh, they're like bringing him back from, bringing him back to life, just like got chills when Freddie Mercury starts vocalizing. Mm. If you know what I mean. Oh yeah, those vocalizations, they're very, very good. I um, I I enjoyed. I I I usually and I still do. I enjoy most of this movie pretty much down. Uh, down to that very end bit where it starts to slug on and drag for a bit. But I, uh, as I was watching it this time around, I thought, you know what? We've watched this movie probably more often recently than most people have. Maybe I could take this opportunity to uh, quiz your Flash Gordon knowledge to see uh, what you've, what you've uh, retained from all of this. <laughs> How do you feel about that? You, you want to quiz me? Yeah, I can take okay. it. Okay, cool, cool. I've got a I've got level seven clearance. Okay, perfect, perfect. Is that one of the questions? No, no, it is not. Uh, my my first question for you is um, during the scene where Ming is talking to uh Zarkov and telling him the reason that Earth is going to be destroyed. What deity uh does Ming call upon before he destroys systems utterly? Easy. He calls upon the great god Dizan. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, I think I'm falling in love with this movie. I think I'm <laughs> back. I was uh, I, that one. I thought for sure might not be that easy. Okay, that kind of makes me worried about the rest. I remember of these. because we actually did a little deep dive into. I think episode two we actually looked into uh, some of the Flash Gordon pantheon. Oh, really? Listeners, go back re-listen. Let's bump up the Spotify numbers. Put this podcast <laughs> on while you sleep. Yeah, uh, rate on iTunes or whatever it's called, the uh, Apple Podcast Store. It really helps. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so my uh, my second question is, Sithra is the name of which moon of Mongo? Oh, is it is it a is it the, one of the princesses' moons? I uh, you're getting warm. Is it a moon? Is it is it a moon of Phrygia? No, it's not Phrygia. Shit! Fake fan. I'm a fake fan. <laughs> it's uh, that one right there is um, Aura's secret pleasure moon. I I knew it would. <sighs> no, but what which uh, what is it a moon of? Uh, they're all of the floating um places are moons. Oh, <laughs> yeah, uh, you're right. Sorry, I, I I misunderstood the conversation. I misunderstood I'm, the question. I'm sorry. Myself. I apologize. <laughs> and I apologize to the listeners. Okay, okay, okay. How many Imperial Guards does Dale take out during her initial escape? Um, okay, there's the... There's the Hey Buddy. She shoots two and... Cl- I'm going to say four. She's, she clubs one, she shoots two, and she clubs another. Ding, 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 ding. You are correct. Yes. We are Real fan. two for Real three, fan. which is pretty solid. I got three more. I can do it. I can. What is Dale's last name? 
Uh, I can't believe I don't remember the name of this beloved character. Uh, Dale. Oh, ooh. Ah. E. Dale. Is it like a, is it a one syllable name? Two syllables. I'll give you that. I fuck. I don't know. I'm sorry. It's, D- it's Dale Arden. Arden. I was thinking Dale Arn. Mm. Ah. <laughs> Wow, I guess I gotta watch this movie again. Okay, Redemption. Redemption arc. Okay, uh, how many times does Flash put his hand in the beast's stump? I am now of age, Green Father. I ask for the test of manhood. Uh, three. Easy. Correct. Bing, 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 bing. Send me on my way! The final question should be a walk in the park for you, okay? Because it features Zarkov. The passcode... To open the door that Zarkov, Baron, and Aura need to get through is what? Uh, it's one of the prime numbers in the Zeman number series, Zeman number series, Zarman number series. You know, stick, I haven't st- changed. Stick with your gut. The Zeman, the Zeman series. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Well, then let me just think of, because I want to keep playing this game. Let me think of some quick questions for you. And for the listeners to play along with. Um, oh, diving deep into the lore. You have four out of six right. So, real Flash fan. Real Flash fan. It's kind of embarrassing. I should It's not a real, a real Flash fan. We get six out of six. That's not true. If I had asked anyone on the street these questions, no one would have the answers. Yeah. I mean, no rational person would know these answers. No, no well-mannered... Uh, <laughs> person would, would know these answers i think i remember someone once told me that uh people with like severe anxiety love to continually rewatch things that are familiar to them much like you know how like little kids will rewatch the same vcr tape every single day because it's like very familiar interesting and comforting yep i feel like i'm developing a mm-hmm. like a anxiety driven response to flash gordon where it's becoming like a comfort blanket you know Mm, there's no surprises there's no shocks (laughs) you just know what to expect it's like someone watching the office over and over and over again yeah except much shorter and more contained (laughs) but i'm gonna say something that it's gonna maybe drive you a little crazy in this watch in this watch i started to really like flash gordon the character oh yeah I was kind of into him. I know we've been very hard on him in the past, but this was his his film. I think he he did a great job. He he took up the screen space when he needed to. He's not even in it that much. The fight with him and Baron. I just I found myself being like, you know what? I would choose Flash as my best actor this time around. Oh yeah, yeah. He was my uh, best actor last week. Uh, for very similar reasons, because it took a while to get there, but then all of a sudden he was just there, and it all made sense why he was the hero, you know? Yeah, I mm-hmm. get it. I love you, Flash. Love you, Flash. Sorry for all the hate we've given you over the years. <laughs> this is Flash Redemption arc. I like this. I'm really starting to enjoy. It. I think I, I think we're. At, I'm starting to sense that we're entering the meta phase of the podcast where, uh. Like any kind of sincere commentary has kind of been uh, digested and spit out and then digested again. 
and now we're just mm-hmm. going into the like now this is our, our our period where we just reflect on the podcast for the next few weeks and then a few weeks after that it's going to be reflections on the reflections of the podcast you know <laughs> like we're starting to circle Dude. the drain yeah we've only done four five episodes <laughs> actually this is number six this is number six okay wow there's just so much more to do yeah recording is way harder than watching uh Here's something fun to talk about. Uh, going back to the uh, Zarkov is uh, linked to Reb Tevier from Fiddler on the Roof. Zarkov says early in the film, I forget what it's in response to, but he's like, it's a miracle. I think it's in response to the moon being out of orbit. And I immediately thought of uh, Reb Tevier asking, asking God for a miracle. And then I just started thinking about Fiddler on the Roof again. And then I started going, da 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 da. While I was watching this movie, thoughts. The, my thoughts are um, you. You there's that's the only way in which these two movies are connected is this actor, <laughs> and you keep pulling it back to Fiddler on the Roof. You don't think there's an ideological thread connecting <laughs> Fiddler on the Roof if and I had Flash to... Gordon? Do you think there's a societal? I don't think that Zarkov is a very religious man, <laughs> if I'm being honest. If I had to guess, I'd say Zarkov is probably not very religious. Yeah, he doesn't seem like someone would be. But Although, he does up. have a profound understanding of the unknown. He does have a profound understanding of the unknown. Also, during his flashbacks, there was a little bit of um, Jewish culture hinted at, uh, now that I'm remembering that. Agent Zarkov um, confirmed Jewish? Entirely possible. I think, yeah, because well, yeah, he, I mean, in the I think the scene doesn't the scene imply that he's his family is fleeing Hitler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. While I was while that scene was coming up this time around, what I did do is I rewound it like three, four, five times to just nail down if his wife's outfit changed while she was drowning in the pool. And you know what? It didn't. It didn't change. It's from the same event where the party f- throws his wife in the in the pool. Exactly. So anyone could have jumped in at any point. So I guess maybe makes no sense. No, it doesn't make any sense. Or either that, or everyone thought she was goofing off until it was too late, because she did look very extra while she was floundering around. Yeah, but how it, did they did they conspire to murder her? Like how could this have even have happened? The insurance. He needed funding for for a research experiment. He's also the man who just found out his assistant died and said, Sorry, Munson. Missed your opportunity. Sorry, Munson. I mean, this man doesn't... Like, the, normal people are like are like ants to this man. Like, he, he views life in terms of billions. Um, you know, he's a... Mm-hmm. he's a, Zarkov is a big picture guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if he views it as a rational transaction... Then uh, that's that's what he's gonna do. Yeah. You know what? Speaking of uh, Agent Sarkov, because I'm on this thread already, you know it makes me yeah. kind of depressed. Hmm. We live in a world where the actor who played Agent Zarkov, he is actually Jewish, right? Pretty sure. I'm not sure. Uh, I'll find out. But yeah, go on. But he's still alive, and Kanye West is saying all this stuff. And I just can't believe we live in a world where an, a critically acclaimed actor who played Reb Tevye has to listen to someone like Kanye West say that stuff on air. You know, like, is that kind of messed up? 
Sorry, that's my sorry weird tangent. Yeah. It's, sorry about that, folks. It's it's uh it's almost one a.m. for me. So no, that's mine. Starting to wander. <laughs> it's it's fair. Uh, yeah, that was uh that was kind of a weird experience. The whole Kanye story arc, huh? <laughs> He kind of went on his own his own little Ming tangent. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Kanye the merciless. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it says uh, that um, Zarkov, his name is uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. Chaim Topol. He's an Israeli actor. So also spelled yeah, Chaim Topol. Yeah, there we go. Absolute legend, by the way, though. Yeah, he absolutely nails it and blows it out of the park. What's your favorite thing about Fiddler on the Roof? <laughs> Welcome to a rational transaction, Fiddler on the Roof podcast, where we talk, where we watch Fiddler, on, where we talk about Fiddler on the Roof once a week. Um, I think so. Here's the thing: I am a sucker for dads and stories. Um, and big there's a big Dilf guy. Yeah, one hundred percent. This is why the Goofy movie is one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh, um, makes sense. Uh, it's an it's an amazing it's, if you've never seen it everyone should watch it it's an amazing movie where uh it hits way harder than it ever should um about a dad trying to connect with his son but um i feel like this movie could have had a few more moments to humanize zarkov and treat him as a father figure to flash just gonna say that because uh heim did an amazing job as a father in fiddler on the roof aside from you know being stuck to true tradition uh, and not listening to his daughters until the very end. Um, but at the end, he did. They're very similar in that um, uh, Reb Tevye is kind of a poor, a poor kind of one man. I've always viewed Fiddler on the Roof as, uh, in my own eyes, I interpret Fiddler on the Roof as one man versus God where God's constantly messing with everything. Everything he asks, God kind of swats away. He wants to be rich. He's poor. He wants his daughters to have good marriages. Or, I mean, they do have good marriages, but traditional marriages, they don't. You know, it's it's him. I, I always see it as him versus God, and he just gets beaten down. And much like that, Agent Zarkov, him versus Ming and the great unknown, thrust into a situation where you can do nothing about it. But he's there supporting everyone else, and he makes it through to the end. That's the yeah. that, and that's the ideological thread that connects the two movies. There we found it. We found it. We found it. Full circle. People's battle against uh, the the unknown. Mm. And uh, to Zarkov, Ming was very unknown. Well, Caleb, we're, I'm not going to let you stop this podcast. We're, we're going to ride this thing for a little bit. You're hanging onto the tail. You're hanging onto the, the podcast tailgate. And I'm gonna drag you. I'm a, and I'm gonna drive for a few more, few more miles. <laughs> okay. No. Okay. Keep going. Keep going. Uh, what was I gonna say? I was gonna be something really insightful. I know. Uh, you know, man's battle against you know. Drive. What, drive. What, what drive. Do you think is the philosophy of Flash Gordon? What do you think? I mean, if you had to 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 boil this movie down into like a cultural, into a cultural message, what is it about? Like what? Oh. Uh... What do the creators of Flash Gordon want people to leave that cinema thinking to themselves? Yeah, or like I mean, even not even a uh, not even intentional intent. Like, what what do you think is like the lasting 
cultural moment of Flash Gordon? Uh, I think people remember it as like um, uh, charming for the most part. Uh, like it's uh, it's not really seen as a masterpiece. Um, although the people who do uh, remember it remember it very fondly. Um, I I I don't I don't think it's um a a cultural pillar because it's not something everyone can harken back to like say your Star Wars or something like that everyone knows what that is um it's more of a uh, it's not a hidden gem because it's way too popular to be that but I don't know I I think the when they were initially writing it there's a specific line in which um. Um. Oh dang! It's been so long. Um. Voltan is talking to Flash. Uh, as the as um, uh, ship Ajax is crashing into uh, Mongo City, and uh, he says that must be some planet you men come from. I noticed that line for the first time too. This yeah, watch. and uh, Flash says. Not too bad. And it's just kind of like a, a little high five to humanity in that moment where it's like, yeah, the men here can do shit and get stuff done. <laughs> and and those uh yeah, it felt uh it it felt like a very muscly handshake. Um from uh, that's the alien movies, right? I don't know, I haven't seen them. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that's that's a cultural milestone i should look at eventually um but yeah uh i don't know that's a that's a tough question i'm floundering so it sounds like you already have an answer so you should come save me i don't have an answer i just think it's kind of interesting how all these movies have like a message where like the low the lowly sort of peasant or i mean i guess flash gordon isn't a peasant i, I think maybe more of star wars because flash gordon is a is a well-recognized star football player um, mm-hmm. but you know, there's sort of this lowly, I think watching all these movies makes me, made me think as a kid that, uh, if you just go somewhere, you could automatically meet the boss. Like the idea that some random guy gets captured and he immediately meets the emperor of the entire, you know, space empire is, is so baffling to me. Like, can you imagine like the equivalent, like it, it, the equivalent is you fly to Washington DC and. Uh, go have coffee with the president you know what i mean like that's the like just on a whim i don't know is that i just think it's interesting you walk into amazon and meet bezos himself exactly like i don't know it's almost like a comforting idea that like you can just uh maybe this is gonna get too i think i'm getting convoluted here but there's almost a comforting idea that you can just like approach a system or a power structure and just like see all th- you know see all the parts understand it go right mm. to the head i don't know there's a com- there's a comfort in that really it's transparent and understandable whereas i think in the modern world things are like what is this i can't understand this there's a lot of mystery yeah a lot of red tape red tape no red tape in Ming's house no 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 you just have to team up and overthrow them, and you're fine. <laughs> team up? What's that? What What else is there to be said that hasn't been said about Flash Gordon? That's the thing. I'm I'm searching my brain. I'm like, there has to be more that I that that I that I, I, that I haven't said. I'm gonna grab my trusty notebook. 
Oh, here's something that hasn't been said. I, I got I have a question in my mind. So both Dale and Flash show up at the airport to fly home, I guess from their vacation, right? Yeah. But they both came from the same inn because they Flash says that he saw her at the inn the previous night, right? So mm-hmm. they both slept in the same hotel. Correct. But she comes in a hotel shuttle and he comes in a private car and he just like locks up the keys and walks away. So is he just parking his car there, uh, like over during his work year? Is that his vacation car? Does he live in a world where you can rent cars from the airport? Maybe, but I just—he's got the rental car, but she just comes in the shuttle. But he wouldn't just take—I mean, he's Flash Gordon. Of course, he would get a rental car. <laughs> ah, what am I saying? Well, he could have a private car that he just parks in the airstrip. I guess there's probably an airstrip valet. Yeah. Who's your, uh, you you said Flash Gordon was your favorite actor this time around? Mm-hmm. Who's your, uh, who's your least favorite this time around? Uh, my least favorite is the doofus, uh, radar guardsman who, who General Kala has to keep, like, continually micromanage for the end of the film, where he's like, he's like, ma'am, Warhawk and Ajax is approaching, and they're not saying anything, and she's like, are they following the normal approach pattern? And he's like, no, they are not. And she's like, fire. <laughs> and he's like, are you sure? You more. And then later he's like, General Kala, please show yourself on my screen. <laughs> that's that's a, that's a good choice. I, uh, I honestly really love his character because it lets me see a little bit more of Kala's frustration with, with stupidity. Um, and... He's not. He he wasn't gonna be my favorite choice, but uh, he, I I do really wind up uh, liking the purpose he serves at the end of the movie there to make Kala um, a stronger character. I uh, I don't remember what my last favorite one was. Um, Flash. My last favorite one was Flash. I'm gonna say Kala this time around. Um, oh, that's a good pick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, my least favorite. Let's say Biro, uh, the Birdman, uh, who gets shot on Rocket Ajax and Flash flies down to go save him. It's just like an old man. Yeah, because <laughs> he's he should have retired years ago. <laughs> it's just like, a, yeah, you, you need to get him like a a retirement purge. Yeah, exactly. And eat bird seed and do bird crossword and practice bird law. Mm-hmm. I guess we haven't talked about lizard racism that much. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lizard racism is very prevalent in the Flash Gordon uh, multiverse. It's like, uh, I'm assuming if you've listened this far, listener, you've probably taken the time to watch it. But if let's pretend this is your first episode, in which case, hi, welcome. Um, but also, um, there is a species called lizard men who just cannot seem to get a break in this flick. Every time you see them, they're either imprisoned or being executed. Uh, I don't think you see a single free lizard man at all uh, in this film. Or being ordered to do horrible labor like uh, they make, they uh, bury, they're they're supposed, the lizard men are supposed to bury Flash. They're in the swamp. They're in the Flash prison. They're in the Imperial prison. They get executed inside the Imperial prison by the, uh, by the watch droid. Just constant uh, lizard man violence. But no lizard men characters. No, none of them. Which they also uh, don't talk. So are they just like are they just animals? Kind of. 
I mean, they call them lizard men, so they must be able to communicate. I don't know. Yeah, there's got to be some way. Um, and they're caged with humans and uh, citizens of uh, Mongo. They're not, like, in their own exhibits or anything like that. I can't imagine anything more terrifying than a humanoid shaped and sized lizard but like, refuses that's to say words like, and I, just kind of looks at you and tilts its head back and forth it's got a giant mouth like a mouth the size of your head yeah maybe i would maybe i would try and kill him too inside its mouth you see a pair of eyes uh lizard men lizard men racism that is nightmare fuel though well what do you think alexander did we get it far enough did we cross the finish line i feel I feel like this could be a finish line. Um, we'll, uh, Are you excited for another 40-some episodes? I, here's the thing. I'm excited um, uh, to go on this journey with you. I'm excited to talk about it. But I think the episodes might get shorter before they get longer. <laughs> um, I think maybe this will make us really good podcasters because we'll actually have to learn to talk. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I just say I say one thing and I I put it down. I wait. Yeah. Now I actually have to talk. We'll uh, we'll have to learn how to. Uh, I'll have to learn how to do some research in advance. Uh, we'll have to book guests, maybe. Uh, that way, we have a third opinion to bounce ideas off of. Maybe I think maybe we need more tangents. I like that Fiddler on the Roof tangent. Do you have any other tangents we can go on before we finish up? Tangents? Um, yeah. Uh, you didn't pay attention to the new D&D OGL? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of weird, right? It's super weird. Uh, let's Talk about yeah, it. Yeah, what do you think Flash Gordon would do about it? What do you think uh, Ezra Miller, the Flash, would do about it? Uh, we don't need to know what Ezra Miller would do about it. We know what he would do about it. Uh, oh, I did have a uh, rage, uh, a moment of rage washing over me when this movie started and I noticed uh, Flash Gordon wearing a shirt that says Flash and I remembered the show, um, the Flash Gordon 2007 TV show where we find out that uh, the reason he's called Flash in that show is because it's a nickname his dad gave him because he's very fast at running. And I, that shirt made me remember that and I got right. irrationally angry. That the show exists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really too bad. Um, I will, before we close off, say that my rating, because you said, was a solid 100. Um, this time around, because I was so excited to get into it, uh, even when it dragged down, I didn't let it sully it too much. I'm sitting at a solid 87, I'm going to say, this time around. Uh, that's still very high. And... 87. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um we'll uh we'll see where it goes from there. But that's where I'm sitting. I'm sitting pretty. I'm I'm happy with it. I'm sticking to it. I guess some housekeeping. Thank you to Dwy for the use of our theme song Party for One. Everyone should go check it out. Uh you can find it on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you can listen to music. Uh give that a listen. He's got some other great stuff too. Yeah, it's uh it's been a pleasure. Any any last words from you, Caleb? Thank you so much, audience. We love you so much. We love our Flashcasters, our Zarkov heads, our our rational transactioners, mm, our Flashers. Fans. <laughs> our fla- we love our Flashers. Uh, yeah, love you guys all so much. 
Have a great night or morning wherever you are. And uh... it's a rational transaction. One life for billions. Hey, man.